Sometimes it can feel that unless you toot your own horn, wave your own flag and promote your own goals, that you'll never get anywhere in today's competitive world. That's certainly the impression you get if you've been watching the early stages of the 2016 presidential race in the States. The front runner just now for the Republican nomination is this guy here. I'm sure most of you know him. Yeah? Donald Trump. Whether you like him or not, whether you like his politics or not, you have to admit that he doesn't hesitate to tell everyone how rich he is, how successful he is, and how pathetic and stupid everyone else is who disagrees with him. That's just the kind of guy he is. And that kind of total self-confidence and self-promotion is seen in lots of different areas of life. I think one of the ways that we often see it is in successful sportsmen and sportswomen. Just last week, this guy here, Usain Bolt, won gold in 100 metres and 200 metres and also the 4 by 100 metres in the World Athletics Championship in Beijing. But just after he successfully retained his Olympic crown, his double Olympic crown in the 2012 Olympic Games, Bolt was reported as saying this, It's what I came here to do. I am now a legend. I'm also the greatest athlete to live. I've got nothing left to prove. Self-confidence. And when I read that, it sounded like a bit like something that this guy here would have said. Remember Muhammad Ali? Some of the younger ones might not know Muhammad Ali. Uh, But Muhammad Ali, over 50 years ago, after beating Sonny Liston, the then heavyweight champion, he declared this, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest thing that ever lived. And I just turned 22 years old. I must be the greatest. Anybody think that about themselves today? Want to stand up and say, I'm the greatest? I don't think many of us are going to be so arrogant to make those kind of statements. But as we live in this world, we can be tempted to think that if we are going to succeed in our lives, if we are going to make sure that we are not ignored or we are not walked over by others, if we are going to live a blessed life, then we need just a little bit more of this. We need to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more arrogant, a little bit more confident, a little bit more self-assertive and self-seeking. But Jesus disagrees. In his Beatitudes, Jesus described that the blessed life is lived by those who have a completely different attitude. And we're going to read our our third beatitude uh, in our series, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. It's just one verse. Uh, If you want to turn to it, feel free. If not, just listen as I read it uh, with you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Jesus said this, Blessed are the meek, For they will inherit the earth. Let's read that again. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. To many people, I think meekness is not a very attractive quality. 
It sounds like someone who's a little bit too timid. A little bit spineless. Afraid. Too weak to fight their own battles. And to be honest, sometimes Christianity has kind of, has kind of encouraged this idea. When I was much younger, I was taught about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You heard that little phrase from a, from a hymn? And when you looked at children's Bible story books that sometimes portrayed Jesus as weak, as delicate, even quite effeminate in how he looked. But that's not the Jesus that the Gospels present. A delicate man would not have been able to resist the 40 days and nights of temptation from Satan in the desert and be able to declare, away from me Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. A spineless man would not have stood up against the power and the influence of the Pharisees and declared, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. A fearful man would not have entered into the temple courts and overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves to reclaim his father's house as a house of prayer. A weak man would not have willingly laid down his life on the cross and prayed for his executioners, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And a powerless man would not have calmed the the storms, healed the sick, fed the crowds, raised the dead, conquered the grave. Jesus is not weak. He is our creator God. He is the great I am. He is the first and the last, the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the only saviour of the world. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is not weak. But he is meek. Paul referred to the meekness and the gentleness of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. Being meek is not about being weak. It's about being gentle. It's about being humble. It's about being considerate and courteous. It's the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It's about seeking the good of others. It's about using our strength under the control of love for others. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was described as coming into Jerusalem, gentle and riding on a donkey. That's the same word used in this beatitude. Jesus didn't come with arrogance or pride. He didn't come to force himself on anyone or to beat people into submission. He knew exactly who he was. He didn't need anybody to recognize him or to validate him. But he came gently and humbly to invite people to recognize who he was 
so that they could experience his love and his grace. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus declared to a tired and oppressed world, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Again, that word meek. And humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And this is a wonderful truth for us today. That the meekness of Christ is a wonderful truth for us to celebrate. Because it means that we can come to Jesus. Battered and bruised as we are from living in this sin-cursed world. We can come without fear or without worry. Because Jesus is going to be gentle with us. He won't treat us harshly. He won't condemn us with his words. Or crush us with his strength. Instead he promises that he'll treat us gently. He'll carefully and lovingly take us up in his arms. He will use his power to heal us. His strength to restore us. His wisdom to lead us. He will use his might to protect us. It's the meekness of Christ that draws us to him. So that we can depend on him for everything that we need. So Jesus is not weak, but he is meek. And Jesus taught that the blessed life is lived by those who display the same character, the same meekness. Blessed are the meek. So what does that look like? Well, the meek are those who humbly consider others. Paul wrote this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Those who have an inflated opinion of themselves tend to treat other people really badly, don't they? They think that they they are better than others, so they think that they deserve more than others. More time. More stuff, more respect, more honour, more rights, more power. But God doesn't want us to be arrogant or to be self-assertive in our our relationships. He doesn't want us to think of ourselves better than others around a demand our way and our rights. Instead he wants us to recognise, humbly recognise the value of others. And the worth of those other people. And be willing to treat them in a way that's consistent with this. Even if it means that we will lose out. That doesn't mean that we should hide difficult truths from them. Or that we should be so afraid of of upsetting somebody that we don't say things that are true. But it does mean that when we have those opportunities to speak the truth, we always do it with gentleness and respect. When we are sharing the gospel, we will refuse to try to dominate somebody or force our opinions or put down those that we're speaking with 
Instead, we will courageously but, but carefully speak the truth in love. Inviting them to accept God's truth as we have. And even when we have to challenge wrong ideas, false teaching, confront error, take a stand against things that are completely wrong, we must not do it with aggression or hostility. Instead, we must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 2. That's what it means to be weak, meek. It means we respectfully speak to others. And being meek also means that when people let us down, when they fail in their responsibilities, when they disappoint us or when they hurt us, we don't deal with them harshly or with resentment or with recrimination. Instead, we'll be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In patience, we'll accept each other, warts and all. We will continue to love them, offering them forgiveness and restoration where necessary, but always being faithful to them as Christ is to us. This is what the blessed life looks like, according to Jesus. It's not lived by those who look after themselves, who promote themselves, or who fight for themselves. Rather, it's for those who look after others, who lovingly care for others, and work to support and encourage others. But doesn't that mean If we did all of this, if we put this into practice in our lives, doesn't that mean that we are always going to lose out in life? Won't we just be overlooked and ignored by everyone? Doesn't this mean that we're going to be pushed around and walked over like a doormat by others? Well, Jesus promises no. Because he says this, blessed are those who are meek, For they will inherit the earth. Yes, we may lose out in the short term. We may be treated badly by those around us who only respond to arrogance and aggression. But Jesus promises that contrary to what this world thinks, the ultimate victory doesn't go to those who demand it or those who fight for it. But it goes to those who meekly inherit it. What Jesus is saying here is a a promise that comes from Psalm 37. If you have your Bibles, you can turn turn in your Bibles to Psalm 37. It's It's a wonderful psalm. As an older man, David wrote this psalm to encourage those who were struggling to live for God in a world dominated by evil. And this is what he began with. Psalm 37 verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. And later on he wrote in verse 7. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways. 
when they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. It's not easy to do. When we see around us the wicked seemingly prosper. When we see people who who do wrong and they seem to get away with it again and again. When injustice and oppression go unpunished. When the proud and the arrogant succeed. While the caring and the considerate are often unnoticed and, and disregarded. It's easy to get upset. It's easy to be worried. It's easy to get jealous of them. Even to be angry and be tempted to fight like others do. But David said that we don't need to do that. Yes, in the short term it looks like the wicked prosper. It looks like the righteous are disenfranchised and forgotten about. But soon, those roles will be reversed. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 37, please. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. The godless may boast about what they have. They may throw their weight around and flourish for a short time. But very soon, they will pass away. And everything that they have fought for will be taken from them. And they will be separated from life to the full forever. Verse 11 then of Psalm 37 says this. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Those who are humbled now will soon be lifted up. Those who are oppressed will be rescued. Those who lose out now will inherit what others fought for so selfishly to win. Why? Why will that happen? Why will the meek inherit the land? Well, it's because God will look after them. If you look down to verse 40, the last verse of Psalm 37 says this, The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. God will watch over them. He will not forsake them. He will provide them a place to stay, food to eat, safety to enjoy, a future to look forward to. Now today, we know, don't we, that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. So our expectation is not focused on the immediate possession of the land, a piece of this earth, like it was for the people of Israel. But Jesus' promise that they will inherit the earth is no less real. Because we don't only share in the blessedness of heaven, we shall also ultimately share in the kingdom of God on earth. In keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness, Peter writes in his second letter. And this is an inheritance that will be gifted to us. Not through our efforts. 
Not through our achievements, not through our hard work, but because if we've trusted in Jesus, then we have become children of God. And Paul says, if we are children, then we are also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If you have trusted in Jesus, then you have become part of God's family. You have become a child of God. And because of that, not because of anything you then do, but because of who you are, this inheritance will be given to you. And it's a lasting inheritance. Unlike the wicked whose good times last for such a short time, despite all that they fight and scrap for, those who humbly depend on the Lord have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. So although it might look like the meek don't have very much today, in reality they are blessed because they have Christ. And that means they have everything. They are like Paul, having nothing and yet Possessing everything. As he says in 2 Corinthians 6. And so the meekness that Jesus is speaking about here comes from our faith in God. The proud and the arrogant, they fight for what they want because they believe that it's up to them to get it for themselves. That's why they assert their own rights, their own plans and their own ambitions and they're willing to walk on others in order to get it. But the meek on the other hand, they're willing to treat people with compassion, with consideration, with gentleness because they are willing to leave their future in God's hands. They're willing to do what David encouraged in this psalm, Psalm 37, verse 7, to be still before the Lord and to wait patiently for Him. That's what it means to be weak, to be meek, sorry. It's about waiting on the Lord. It's about trusting in Him. Why? Well, because we believe in God's love. The meek are poor in spirit, recognizing that they deserve nothing from God. They have mourned over their sinfulness. And they've come to believe, though, in God's amazing, unconditional, undeserved love for them. They have looked to the cross of Jesus. And they've been amazed that God would love them so much to send Jesus to die for them. They know that they could never have earned it. They could never have been good enough to deserve it. But with gratitude and humility, they have accepted the reality of the fact that God loves them. So much that he sent his son to the cross to die for them. And so they believe that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If God loves us so much that he was willing to send his son to the cross to die for us, then how could we ever worry, worry about the fact 
that maybe God doesn't love us enough to give us what we need for our everyday lives or for our future. And so they're willing to submit to whatever is in God's plans for their life. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yes, the meek know that God's plans often include things that they would never choose, or that they would never desire. But they won't fight against God's plan. Because they believe that God's ways are not just different from theirs. But they're higher. And they're better. And they're greater. And they don't just believe that God has better plans for them. They also believe that God has the power to fulfill them. They know how small they are. The meek have a a proper understanding of their smallness in this big world. They're willing to admit their weakness and their limitations. But they don't see that as being a problem. Because they're not depending on their own strength or their own power. Instead, they are completely depending on God's power. And they believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. According to His power that is at work within us. And although they might not see the evidence for that right now, although it might look like the meek have nothing right now, they are willing to wait on God's timing because they believe that He who promised is faithful. They know that God always keeps His promises. And what God promises and what God gives is always worth waiting for. So in this world it might look as if the blessed life is lived by the confident, the arrogant and the assertive. They might appear to have it all right now. But Jesus promised that those who humble themselves before God Those who trust in his love. Those who submit to his will. Those who depend on his power and wait on his timing. That they will be blessed in the end. Because they are heirs of God. And they are joint heirs with Christ. And their inheritance will last forever. So we have a choice today, guys. Are we going to be among those who take things into their own hands? who demand their own rights, who fight for their own dreams, who depend on their own strength? Or are we going to be among those who entrust ourselves into God's hands, who believe that in the end, God will keep His promise? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth.